the Shadow Crew Podcast. Well, hello. Hello. What's up? Good evening. And welcome to the Shadows <laughs> Crew. I thought you were Podcast. trying to do something, go around the table. Oh, we could have. That could have been great. Anyway, hey, forget yeah. it now. Get we're, it. we're done. Oh shit, we're live. We can't go back and uh, start. Yeah, start we'll fix scratch. this in editing. <laughs> uh, welcome to uh, another episode, episode twenty-one of the Shadow Nose uh, Crew Podcast. Here uh, on all uh, ways that you can stream and listen to us live. We're excited to have you uh, tune in. Uh, as a reminder, uh, subscribe like all that good stuff please subscribe and like just kidding but we need uh your support and helping us grow the channel uh, most we appreciate... people are not subscribed that watch this so it doesn't hurt just yeah just one click it's a click of the button click of the mouse speaking of mouse um <laughs> let's jump right into it which uh the the the, the latest news is that uh steamboat willie the original version of Mr. Mickey Mouse uh, has uh, now come up uh, into the public domain as of the first of the year. And what does that mean is that it's basically free for anybody to use. And oh boy, are they beginning to use it. <laughs> so I guess uh, we've talked about it a bit, about how we think we we'd, we'd use it how people are using it today, horror films, video games. What's everyone's take on this iconic character now being free for anybody to use in different ways? It's so weird. Well, I, I've got to say, I think it is absolutely deserved. You know, they've held on to the, the rights for so long and they actually went through the whole, uh, you know, I remember the Mickey Mouse uh, litigation that they did in Congress to make sure they held on to it. And I just think that it's gotten to the point now where, you know, like they most definitely are getting what they deserve. Like this happened with Sherlock Holmes, uh, Peter Pan. Last year it happened with Winnie the Pooh. You know, eventually these mega corporations, you know, cannot hold on. That's the reason why we have public domain. And I, I think Disney's kind of getting their, their one-twos. You know, they've, they've held on to that. I remember there was a story years ago about... Um, there was a, um, a preschool and they had painted like, you know, a bunch of Disney characters on the wall and Disney, just a standard. This wasn't like, you know, some, some uh, major chain or anything. It's just a, a small little preschool someplace. And they made them paint it over. And uh, uh, very heroically, Hanna-Barbera came and said, well, you can use all of our characters. But <laughs> this is the kind of thing that Disney has done over the years. They've gotten that bad will. And there's a lot of people, especially in the last year or two, they've really gotten a lot of it. Uh, so people are waiting, man. And I, I'm just surprised that they were waiting until the crack of midnight on the first to start well, this stuff. <laughs> now, here's one of the things, though, because it's not entirely free to use for anybody to do what they will, because Disney has used the Steamboat Willie character as the logo for their Walt Disney Animation Studios. Mm. So now that is a trademark and that has a whole different thing. So you can't use that character the way it looks in that 
for certain things because they can claim it's a trademark violation. Oh man. But yeah. so so there's it's a kind of a weird area because yeah, I think they it was like in the 70s and in the 90s again they re-upped uh you know, they paid enough money off to Congress that they were like uh, you know what uh, that 75 years after if someone dies no 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 it's 99 now <laughs> so yeah so how are they getting away with the horror film because that's interesting well, to me because you can like use the again the name and the situations and the characters and everything but i think there's like you can't use the specific uh images that they've got but it's like winnie the pooh right well it was a blood and honey yeah Uh, Yeah. they can take that character as long as it doesn't look exactly like that trademark steamboat willie you can do whatever you want with it now got it makes sense well and that's disney coming to stop us (laughs) (laughs) uh we're gonna need you to take down your uh virtual wallpaper sir well, this is what's happening now. <laughs> it's pure defiance. This is what this is. You know, but uh, it's an See, all right cartoon. Have you guys watched it? <laughs> yeah, it's not I think, great. No, no. I think it'd be cool to. Um, I think this could be a good action film. I see it has <laughs> yeah. the makings of a good intro, a Bond like, intro. It's either like got a Bond or like a Rambo feel to it. This is kind of like Rambo because it is a boat, you know? So it's like, well, he's always in a jungle. <laughs> and there's the bad guy. That's it. Well, anyway, that's what happens. Yeah, and uh, again, all that, and you got to give um, Walt and his uh, his brother Roy the credit that they deserve. But I, I don't think that they, uh, the living embodiments of themselves, would be kind of happy with, like you know, what's really transpired with the way Disney has just become a multi conglomerate company that's only cared about their profits. And you know, it's it's about not to happen, enough man. though. <laughs> because they've screwed it up like the last five years yeah. like i was looking at some of the stuff about disney and it was they were the number one studio from like the mid 2000s uh just every year they yeah. always made enough uh uh above everyone else until 2019 yeah. and it was slowly going down and this is the i think the first year universal uh beat them at the box office because yep. of uh mario <laughs> yeah so there's the uh there's what is going to be the horror rendition of steamboat willie it's kind Someone of a scary is, uh, mask are they doing that kind of like five nights at freddy's kind of situation or it that... looks like it doesn't it yeah it's a very very interesting looking... well i mean you could do <clears throat> what if this was halloween and instead of a Kirk mask, it's a Mickey Mouse mask that he's going around murdering people oh, yeah. with. Yeah, you could just actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have a Mickey Mouse mask on Michael Myers oh, instead. Yeah. See how that works out. 
<laughs> trademark TM right now. Ding. <laughs> yeah. I still like Weed Smoke Billy, the Cheech and Chong <laughs> version yeah. of Steamboat Willie. I think I think that's the way to go. And I think this is the crew to write the script, to be honest with mm. you. It could yeah. even be animated. Sure. Oh, we could. Just a very so, rough animation just to kind of yeah. get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you could have like you know, Steamboat Willie. You know, he's that's it. That's not his real voice. Like his real voice, like the acting voice is like, oh, oh but like, <laughs> and cut. And he's like, ah, with like a cigarette, you know, like a pirate. Amazing. Yeah. It could be like a Roger Rabbit type of feel too. You could do some like live action stuff. So I don't know. But it is out there, public domain. So more, uh, looking more towards uh, probably seeing this character in uh, other versions of print and multimedia. So, well, and also as with anything, they're going to immediately do a ton of porn with it. And there's going to be, you know, motorboat Willie, all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> I was told to watch my, no. I just hope that the title is not Steamboat's Willie because that to me would be uh, <laughs> that would be definitely going too far. Um, speaking of Disney is Star Wars that's made the news a couple different things. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the new stuff that's coming out. Um, some of the stuff that might be exciting, but I think what probably is the major news break for Star Wars is the the new director uh was announced i think charmin obeyed chinoy um who's been at, at the helm of one of the star wars films was on a panel not related to star wars but was asked a question um and did an interview and one of the things obviously uh went viral um some controversial things some some people took offense to and so in in a in a time in which obviously disney has had some trouble with press and you know some of the things that they've content they've uh, put out and the recent stuff that happened a couple of months ago with Snow White and the reshoots that have happened and uh, yeah. the star who said some things. Uh, here we are again. So you know, what's your take here? Is it uh, is it another case of like this is already uh, digging its own grave? Um, but. It doesn't look really great for the Star Wars universe when you have this much negative press already. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like this is Disney's way of saying like Bud Light, hold my beer. Uh, <laughs> because they were like, you know what? We saw what happened with you. So Bud Light, hold my beer. And we're going to continue to destroy everything that you loved about it it's and and i feel like on the uh, it's also could insert bud light or you know dcu hold my beer like <laughs> because literally the vi i don't know the, the whole interview is just like hey entire fan base that has made this what it is and what it could be we don't we don't give it we don't give a shit about you and so like check out check out this interview 
Yeah, I, I thought it was um, one of those incredibly irresponsible things to do, especially with um, the state that Disney's in right now. Yeah, uh, you know they're uh, you know they're not making the record profits they are. Uh, if I believe uh, I'm correct, Universal did. I think also Dr. Brindley said that Universal uh, took them over this year yeah. as the number one film studio. And, cool. you know, here's the thing. As much as, you know, no one ever has a problem with, like, you know, you get the right director, the right person, doesn't matter what gender or sex they are. It, it just, as long as they're the right person, they're passionate about the product yep. and they come in and do. But when you have someone do an interview on CNN and completely just demolish everything, and first of all, why do we care? If it's a you know a, a you know a, a yeah, we don't. whether it's a woman a male or anyone else that decides to direct the movie, why is that the overfine? You made it about yourself and not about the franchise. You know, it's like before you know we no one knew who really George Lucas was when he did the first Star Wars because he wasn't that notoriety doesn't go for the directors back then. Yeah, you just put out good work and then he got notoriety. But this person is already just alienated uh the entire i've been on like you know not only do we watch uh our channels we watch other people's channels and i'm seeing it all over from like you know everything on all kind of social media even this movie is doomed yeah even even sides i didn't expect it to be on yeah probably pretty negative move here kind of kind of now they're taking a lot of what she said previously in years ago um, you know, and then conflating it with what's going on today. But what she said years ago was, I like to make men uncomfortable. And okay, that's the who you want to do a Star Wars movie? Okay, <laughs> that does not sound like a great idea for a box office success. So... Well, yeah, because you got that that whole that whole demographic isn't going to go watch it, which is the demographic that gets the other demographic to go watch it. <laughs> so, like, you just it's it's a it's a bummer because this is the same this is the same the same shit. I think is is there. I, I went and saw <laughs> Aquaman two in like IMAX <laughs> with 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 kids and did it help? Well, <laughs> yes, yes, no, but. Here's the thing. Uh, ultimately, you watch Aquaman, right, or any of the previous, like uh, Black Adam, right? You had the whole thing of Black Adam where, you know, Superman shows up and says we need to talk. And and so you have, like, everything going well, and then somebody comes and says, we're not doing this anymore, right? Or, like, this is – we're changing it. They've changed everything. Um, and so now no one cares about DC movies. And that's mm-hmm. literally that's what this move is going to be with like Star Wars because it's like may, maybe maybe it's not going to be directed to like hate men or whatever or or whatever her previous words were but the fact is is that everyone's going to wonder if that's the lens used now to to direct this movie and and no one's going to care to spend their money on it I think I just think it's 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 the James Gunn of Star Wars well like I said again it's incredibly irresponsible. It's yeah. like, you know, the, the thing about it and, you know, as much as everyone has a little gripe and everything else and outside of this, you know, uh, Dr. Brittany and I make our bones in Hollywood. And yeah. I, the number one goal of a filmmaker, no matter whether you're the writer, director and everything, is to make the studio its money back. 
if you're using your own money is to make your own money back. <laughs> yeah. And it's incredibly irresponsible when you're playing with people's money and you start making it about yourself. That should never be, you should never enter the equation other than when it's time to get recognized for a job well done, they go to you. But when you already start this off and you've made it about you, and now we're not even talking about Star Wars itself. Yeah. We're talking about somebody's previous comments from a while ago. And they CNN did a great job of jumpstarting people's anger uh yeah. because people were like well wait a minute what was this it was immediate I, the next morning i was waking up and there was hundreds <laughs> of people pissed I really already. Feel like that's such a good point i really feel like this was just like uh like cnn shock media just so no one could outdo them mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. be honest well and probably cnn was doing it for their ratings you know yes it's because now everyone's going to be linking back to this interview and saying like ah you see we got them and and also for disney they've just had like five years of the whole go woke go broke thing and as they've gone broke they still have not changed their tune yeah and we still have snow white coming out before any of this stuff it's uh, like Disney is going down the tubes unless they do a course correction. And all it is, is just make family entertainment. That's it. That's just all you back, have to do. Just get back to writing it. Like I, like the other day, I just need background, background noise. So I went and I put on Winnie the Pooh, the animation. And I was like, I wish. Not the horror movie? No, no. <laughs> I, I was like, I wish that there was writing like this right now because it's it's very it's very much about a kid but the the overtones are very adult and but it, it's also just a good story and right now there's no good story there's some hidden agenda there's some other thing happening there's some like whatever like we talked about just like you, maybe maybe that's not going to be her direction now but I, I don't know but also when you do things like that you know that's the whole thing of writing you can hide any story you want into it yep. any message you want but you have to make it not seem like you're saying hey get this message yeah you know yeah. it's you you do it subtly and if people pick up on it <clears throat> then it resonates a lot better than i'm stuffing this down your face you better like it yeah, yeah I think it, I think if there's if there's anything though because I don't think you could compare the Star Wars recent stuff to the Marvel stuff and I think that there has been a few okay Star Wars series we know the last movie was not great but overall it's actually been much better than the the recent MCU stuff so I, I yeah. do say, regardless of this controversy, you've got Dave Filoni now at the helm at Lucasfilm. Proven success in the stuff that he's touched along with Favreau. You've got a lot of good stuff leading up to it. And then you have a couple things. you got, obviously, The Mandalorian coming again. You've got four different series in 2024. you got the final season of The Bad Batch, Skeleton Crew, which is a new series, uh, Acolyte, which is a new series. 
um, in the Knights of the Old Republic time uh, timelines, which that's awesome. Uh, and then season two of Tales of the Jedi, plus some, you know, the other, I mean, do you think still, regardless of this, which could turn people off with this particular movie, is Star Wars still, there are high hopes for it. Because in my opinion, as long as Filoni's in charge, there hasn't been a, a, a massive point of letdown. So I would say I still have high hopes for for the Star Wars universe. Well, what do yeah, you I, I think they're doing, um, you know, hopefully they'll they'll get back. The Our only esteem is, like I said, stop making it about yourself. Make it about the, the products. You know, Filoni is the person who studied underneath um, George Lucas. He's the rightful heir, if you will say that, you know, he's he's done the grind and he's put in the time and he knows the universe as well. And also John Favreau's done an excellent job. And yeah. when this and when the entire franchise was tanking, they brought in the Mandalorian and all these other things to bring it up. And then again, it's like, here's a character that categorically no one wanted to see again. No one wanted to see the the last uh uh, uh was, I guess uh, sequels. No one wanted to see those. And this same character, they're doing the thing, same thing, shoving it down the throat. While you looked at it, you know, when people say, well, there's the problem with the Star Wars toxic male fandom, nobody complained about Asuka. Everyone thought that was a great series. People were really excited to see that series done right. You know, uh, there were a lot of great, in Andor, there was a lot of female characters that were leads that were done correctly. It's just... You know, just get us back to just the key central is a galaxy far, far away. And just about a good storytelling. That's all. Complicated characters, not just like, oh, well, I'm virtue and, you know, women are strong and that kind of bullshit that and that kind of takes away from the whole point that you're trying to make. I think you need to make someone vulnerable and fail at first and then when they do succeed then everyone is behind them if they're immediately successful then who cares oh well, i guess she's gonna win at the end right uh. well well yeah pretty much yeah, you have to be completely crazy not to know who was gonna be uh the winner and losers of that one you know it's like we already know that that character is gonna make but it even at the end of their journey any movie though right where you've got a hero and you've got a villain if they are fighting and you know pretty much 99 percent of the time the hero is going to win but if you can create in the writing something you're like you know what actually i don't know if they're gonna make it out of this then you've got something if it's just you know easy who cares we talked about this in previous casts, but Godzilla minus one, one of the best films of last year. If you all haven't have the opportunity, go to the YouTube channel. We did uh, a year end, the box office graveyard awards of 2023, the best films, the best of various categories, toys, etc. And then we gave out uh, some awards for the duds, the -hmm. bad things, the garbage, but, Godzilla minus one did win an award for uh, best movie, one of several awards, and that director and writer, that creative mind behind that, that shocked the world with how well it was done, had mentioned he would love to to do a Star Wars film. Yep. If I'm Filoni, 
I'd say, hey, here you go. And let's give you a character. Maybe we're not going to give you the big, big thing, but let's give you a character in the Star Wars universe and run with it. Either make a film or a TV series. If that were to happen, I don't want to put anybody on the spot here, but is there a character that comes to mind that you would want to see like that hasn't had its own film mm. in the mind got of something this guy? crazy. Okay. C-3PO. Because he's lived through the entire Star Wars saga. So you can take Anthony Daniels while he's still alive, although I'm sure they've recorded his (laughs) voice, so he will be C-3PO in perpetuity. Uh, But, you know, you get him and it doesn't even have to be animated. You don't have to actually put him in the damn suit anymore. but you can do little bits of Star Wars history, like things before and after that we've seen, little, mm-hmm. you know, insert things. And that could be very interesting, I think. And from the droid's point of view, C3PO and R2. I love that. I love that. That'd be awesome. I think, and that's a character, it's like, it's not the, I mean, he's such an important role in all these various things, but he's. You know what I mean? Right. You're not. He giving... doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be <laughs> yeah. in any of this shit that's going on. You know? Yeah. He's like, no, get me out of here. Yeah. That, that would, would be... be a fun character. That'd be amazing. Here's one thing that I thought of, which would be really cool. Um, I there's one thing that I think that we've never seen, which is an actual Vader series. They probably would never give the keys to him. That'd probably be Filoni at the helm of that. But yeah, that needs to happen. But. Mm-hmm. The massive battle at in a Hoth, right? With the, you know, all the the, um, the the ATATs and all that. Wonder if you were to take that, like, and do like a mini series, four part, and concentrate on specific like battles and characters and things that were involved in that, because it's such an epic battle. Because he th- like got, he's done godzilla and like he could do it like big scale too and you tell like these mini miniature stories in the heart of this big battle that doesn't include the skywalkers and whatnot that'd be cool too like if you were to do something like that i like your c3po if i had a choice i'd go (laughs) c3po but i'm like maybe you do something where he could show off his skills yeah as a giant epic right you could do and each season could be a different battle, like the Battle of Hoth. You do the Battle of Endor. You can, you know, do all these different huge things. uh, And it would be cool. Just you see it from the secondary character's point of view. What was Wedge doing? (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. And there's a a video game, a successful video game series called Battlefront. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love Where you can play, like make a series based on that mm-hmm. and have him like, uh, like have him do it. Like he, he at a budget, I mean, Disney's got the budget, but if you said, Hey, we're trying to be pro, you know, we'll give you half the budget. He will do it so well. Mm-hmm. And you don't need like this crazy mm-hmm. CGI because he did a such tremendous job with Godzilla. So anything else, Chet, Alex, did we miss? Like if we were to, they gave him a star Wars thing, because I think it'd be uh super cool if, if they gave this director a shot. Well, I think that's the same way where they did, uh, if I'm uh, uh, Edwards, when he took over, when he did a movie called Monster, then he did Godzilla. You know, they, you know, this guy did a low budget film on his own and mostly did a lot of the work to it, special effects and everything included. 
and that did well for him. I think that, you know, you have to give opportunities. And I think that there are enough opportunities. And even with the, the past dispatch director, she was a documentary director. You know, the same thing happened for Empire Strikes Back. So their their hearts and minds are in the right places. It's just I think the limelight's too big for certain people, and they start feeding into their own egos. And again, your number one job as anyone that works on the film is to make the studio its money back. If you're sitting in a situation and you don't come through in mind with that, then you have no part of being in this business. I will say, though, that... It, she did say it like two different places, the mm -hmm. same exact thing. Mm -hmm. So it might have even been talking points from Disney. Like, this is what you need to say during an interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, which we all know in charge of that is yeah. should be fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's. There's this Lando movie that's supposed to be made, mm. but hopefully it we'll was see a TV it. series, and mm. then it was Donald Glover. Who knows? But hey, I'm a big Star Wars fan, big Star Wars nerd. I hope it succeeds. We shall see. Dipping into the Marvel MCU, um, we've talked about it in various episodes, the struggle, uh, and there didn't seem to be a lot of excitement. And where does it go from here? with un the unfortunate departure of one Kang and what <laughs> is next for the Marvel universe. We, we did give in the box office graveyard awards, the thing that will live up to the hype in 24 would be the new Deadpool movie with uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. We're all excited. We think it'll match the hype, but echo is the newest of series. That's going to hit next week uh, on Hulu. Um, you know, I was like, uh, you know, like I, I like the introduction of this character. I think there was the Hawkeye series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You saw a little bit of Kingpin post the original Netflix dead, uh, daredevil series. Yep. And I was like, ah, but then when I read that episode one has a six minute single take fight scene between echo and daredevil, I'm like, okay, maybe you're going to bring something different than we haven't seen in a while. What do you all think about this? Do you think it's going to be good? Because that's how you bring in people. Like when you say up front, we're not going to tease this. We're basically going to say this is going to happen in episode one. Yeah, I think it. I mean, I think there's I think there's a lot of potential. I like they they have they, if if they if they can keep doing that and you're and that's what happens in the episode and then people know that and it's like so every time they tell us something's going to happen, it's going to happen like. That just knowing the ending, but not knowing where it's going to happen in the mm -hmm. episode is also pretty rad too. It's like a, it's like, okay, well, I don't know when we find this out, and so there's like anxiety. But I, I mean, look, I hope they, I hope they keep the the original Netflix formula because it worked really well mm -hmm. for all of for all of those all of those Marvels. Um, so we'll we'll see if this if this has that if this has that flavor behind it, and and that does happen. That's where that's where it pays off, you know. Look, I remember um, last year, and I think our one of the box office graveyards went to Secret Evasion, and I was hyped, and I said that was going to be the thing was going to be the the pinnacle of what uh, the entire year was going to be, and then it was a swift disappointment. And I remember first people were talking about all the trouble and all the situations they were having with Daredevil and Echo and rewriting and everything else, uh, but I've also heard 
from behind the scenes that, you know, uh, one, this is the um, first time that they're actually going to do a dubbed version in uh, a Native American language, which is extremely mm -hmm. interesting because I thought that's something that I don't think other than maybe Dances with Wolves and a couple other films, we really haven't seen that. And someone take that level of detail. But secondly, this was a good character. Uh, the Hawkeye series was by far one of the best Marvel series. It was a sleeper because I didn't think it was going to be even as entertaining as it was. And that's how you introduce a new character and an old character and bring in villains. It did a great job of honoring uh, Jeremy Ratner's work or Jeremy Renner's work. And then also the, the, you know, the new version and also a great slash villain, which so far it wasn't really kind of villainish. And uh, I thought they brought all the Netflix back. Now this, this six minute fight scene reminds me of what they did in uh, with Charlie Cox as Daredevil and that one sequence. Like if they're putting that kind of effort and entertainment into this, then I think it's going to do extremely well. And I like the fact that it's, it's a mature audience and it's also premiering on Hulu and Disney plus. So they're giving it the best chance they can to actually grab you and grab your eyes, man. Yeah. Yeah. I have not heard good things about it, but this is also from behind the scenes before anyone has seen it. Uh, and Part of, you know, <laughs> the cynical part of me thinks, oh, they're dubbing it into Navajo because they need people to watch this thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It's when they release it all at once, which is the this is also the first time they're doing that, too. Yeah, uh, that does not bode well for me because it seems like, oh, I don't think we're going to have people continuing to watch this week to week. Well, we see, might get them one night and we'll see how far they get. That's not necessarily true. Uh, that's how they release Hulu. A lot of the series is on Hulu. A lot of the Marvel series and I think the... It's just all um, at once. Uh, the the Hardy like Boys. They, they, there's a lot of Hulu series that are dropped all at once as well, too. Now, they pick and choose some of that, but um, there were a couple of the original Marvel series that they did before they did the new um, uh, Marvel uh, television, those uh, Hellstorm and all those, those were all dropped at once on Hulu. Mm -hmm. So th that format has been followed on Hulu before with some of the Marvel series. So I don't, I don't think that that was the point. I just thought that, you know, look, they've got a series. They know that they've got another mega series that they're still in the middle of doing, and they're going to drop a little bit more. You know, I've even heard they're redoing. I've heard uh, Hit Monkeys coming back for season two. So they're trying. They're getting stuff together. And besides, if you haven't watched Hit Monkey, you should watch Hit Monkey. It's pretty. It's pretty good. Um, I, I think they're 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 trying to start the year off on a better note than last year. And I think this is a character, unlike most of the Marvel characters that we're used to seeing. You know, you've got a, a person who is like you know who's who's deaf who speaks in a Navajo language um, that you have, like, you know, the Kingpin, which we've all want to see more, like, you know, uh, uh, Chris was just talking about a Vader series. We all want to see more of the Kingpin. And I think if you can get a little bit more of his origin and his upbringing, then that's going to be well, something we definitely want to see. 
and this is a great actor for Kingpin. Uh, and the best. luckily they transferred him over mm -hmm. to the Disney stuff. Very smart move. That's one of the few Disney smart moves they've done. <laughs> well, they said the the Thanos of the street is what yes. the, like, <laughs> which what I, I, I think is awesome. If you can make mm -hmm. him just as badass. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I mean, he was the villain in Spider-Man, Daredevil, <laughs> Punisher, you know, uh, all the street level people in New York. Look, even uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. He put it down in the Daredevil series. You cannot have Charlie Cox without having, you know, the Kingpin. And they just did a great job of all those characters moving in. And it, it was like, you know, even though they had like Bullseye and a couple of the characters showing, no, it was the Kingpin and Daredevil you wanted to see. Well, now here's the person who is supposed to be the protege to the Kingpin. You know, and we saw how that if, you know, if we're spoiling this, you watch Hawkeye, there was a very kind of tense scenario that happened towards the end of that series between Echo and Kingpin. So I, I think it's a, it, the street level characters have always done well for Marvel on television. You know, uh, I think this is a very good move. And we even with Daredevil popping up at the end of the year, I think they're kind of getting back to some of that. Um, you know, we don't, not everything has to be super special effects and aliens and everything else. We can just deal with the people in the inner city. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about, you know, cause when Disney plus came out, they, they pumped out a few new MCU mm. and I forgot about how good that was that Hawkeye mm -hmm. series and yeah. the Captain America and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, it was all right, but it was, yeah, it was way okay. better than the new yeah. stuff that's come out. Um, yeah, I think they hit their stride in the beginning, yeah. and I think yeah. I think Hawkeye was probably the pinnacle because out of all, it was kind of like the, the Gardens of the Galaxy. I think we wrote that off before we saw it, and then it turned out to be, well, actually, this was pretty entertaining, well-written, uh, and it was just really, and it's actually, it's probably one of the things we should have done for that retrospect, uh, Christmas series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next year. Well, uh, for those of you who've just tuned in or listening, this is the shadow, uh, nose crew podcast here. Uh, this is our live, uh, stream that we do every Friday, uh, evenings. We talk about a variety of different things, pop culture, comic books, TV series. We like to rag on, on Star Wars and Marvel a lot, but we also like to celebrate good stuff too. Um, and uh, also check out uh, our, our various uh, links in the channel. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff uh, on uh, on YT as well. So um, I think it's now time for our best of series. So we do this on a regular basis every episode where we do the best of series could be the best of sci-fi films of all time, the best toys of all time. And this week is the best of series, the best comic book cover artists of all time. So uh, for those of you who are not uh, as much into comics, this is basically the artwork of the front of the comic book. So, you walk into the store and you see amazing artwork that you gravitate towards and you purchase and it might be good writing, might be good uh, drawing inside, but at the end of the day, it's the cover that really attracted your eyes. And in the comic book industry, sometimes, especially the collector's world, the art is what gets people excited and moves books and makes money. And so we wanna talk through 
one of our favorites of all time when it comes to the cover artists and the cover artists could be the same as the people who actually drew the book, but in a lot of cases it's not. So mm-hmm. anything I'm missing here for a lot of the comic book uh, fans or non-comic book fans that are listening. No, I think he, he actually capsized that yeah. really well, man. I think uh, just like, you know, whether you think of where the comic books are time magazine and everything else like that, you know, there's great covers uh, that's going to draw people's interest and mm-hmm. just pretty much going to be who does it the best in comics. Okay. Well, let's get into it. The best uh-huh. of best comic book cover artists of all time. We'll, we'll, let, uh, Chet, we'll let Chet start first because we all know his answer. I wonder who. I wonder who it's going to be. <laughs> well, so I got I got a few. Um, my first my first one uh, would be John Romita. Oh yes, because senior John, or junior? Yeah, that's junior. Or that senior, I was going to ask senior, senior, senior. Because yeah. he did he did the Spider Man cover with Mysterio, mm-hmm. and no one can draw Mysterio without heavily referencing. Uh, John Romita's work, and it, and he is he is a phenomenal artist all the way around. Just his covers are his covers are timeless. I I actually have that Spider Man one in my office. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's that's one of that's one of mine. Well, I'm going to put this out because uh, number one, not only is he a friend of the channel, but he did some amazing work for us, <laughs> Mr. Tim Bradstreet. If you've read any uh, issue of The Punisher back in the 2000s and you saw those basic, almost photorealistic covers, that was Tim Bradstreet. If you picked up any of the uh, Hellblazers and you saw a cover that looked photorealistic, that was Mr. Tim Bradstreet. You know, the guy just does excellent work. And uh, yeah, there's there's the cover that he did for us. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, had the a Tim chance. Bradstreet cover we yeah. were able to get for yes. our graphic novel. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, he's a great dude, man. But also, he's just a very uh, talented artist. And I remember with that piece, he uh, pretty much said he normally doesn't do a lot of uh, outside work, but uh, he we told us say send him the book. And then he said, well, I've got a cover idea. And when we saw the cover, we knew he actually read the book, actually. So, you know, kudos to him. But that's that's, that's basically a biased uh, plug. But uh, Tim <laughs> Bradstreet goes on top of our list. But, I mean, he is one of the greats. Like, literally, when we sat down, like, well, who should we get to do a cover? Mm-hmm. We had two names on our list. It was yeah. Alex Ross and mm-hmm. Tim Bradstreet. And we actually got Tim Bradstreet <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and that's actually thanks to Mr. Storm. Well, that's actually th- thanks to uh, Chris for coming up with the idea. And yes. then it was like, well, it was oh, yeah. Good. I don't have anything to do with that art or that cover. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but it's pretty badass to have Tim Bradstreet, mm-hmm. who, as you said, synonymous with Punisher books. It happens to be during that run so, so great. I'm going to say... Uh, speaking of Hellblazer, because I was a big fan, if you all remember Dave McKean, who did oh, yes. uh, interesting covers, more like, mm. you know, the cre- the, the kind of the creepy, kind of more the sketch paint type of uh, artwork, who also became incredibly famous for some of the covers of the Sandman. Mm-hmm. That art and those covers, super collectible, and I think encapsulated the, the, the Hellblazer feel, but also the work on Sandman was awesome so definitely in my top five for sure one of my favorites is mike mignola 
Yes. And yes. before he was known for Hellboy, mm-hmm. he did Gotham by Gaslight. He did the alternate covers for Death in the Family, oh, which is really rad. cool. Uh, you know, yep. De- yeah, Robin Dead uh, never looked as uh, scary as when <laughs> Mignola did him. Yeah. But um, there's all sorts of stuff that he's done. A lot of Batman's um, uh, <coughs> beautiful. Well, I'm going to knock this out of the way because I know somebody's screaming at their television set right now. Mr. Alex Ross. <laughs> I mean, probably number one, right? Yeah, like, although Chet might have uh, Chet might have a counter to that. But yeah. When your art goes for thousands of dollars at conventions, yes. you know, you're... And when well, I say thousands, like people paying like $10,000 for like a framed piece from Alex Ross. Yeah. I would state that maybe the phenomena Alex Ross... Is more like Andy Warhol because he did a piece of uh, yeah he did a piece of the uh, Statue of Liberty uh, being bitten. I think it was by George W. Bush or something, wasn't yep. it? Or one or two. <laughs> and I remember that that went viral outside of comics. And like you know, there were made T-shirts and hats and everything else. And I see the image all the time. And he, he did. Um, I, I gifted that to Doctor Brentley last year for uh, uh, Christmas. But that Fantastic Four. Uh, uh, graphic novel that he just did last year was probably single-handedly probably one of the best Marvel-looking books that Marvel did not produce, by the way. So, yeah, that I've so ever beautiful. Seen. Yeah. Mr. Maddox. Well, I think well, he's pulling up. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not pulling up. I, uh, I, was, I was thinking of a cover. I couldn't find it. I, did, I, don't, I don't remember who did it, but uh, one of my one of my other nominees for this is uh, Scotty Young. Of course, <laughs> uh, I got and I got to give it to him. I mean, like he's he's kind of he's made it such a massive impact on like the Marvel line just from doing the the baby variants that mm-hmm. it's like, I mean he he's been doing it for a very long time and his other art is fantastic as well. Like not just the Marvel stuff. Uh, I'm also biased because I don't know very many left-handed artists in there. And so mm-hmm. he feels the struggle that I feel when I'm trying to draw and it's all wiping off. Uh, so uh, I think, yeah, I mean, and he's, and he not only, not only is he great at the art, he's also great at storytelling because he did his own two of his, he's done two or three of his own comics um, on image as well. So like, just fantastic all around. I, don't know, I like him. He's good. And I spent a lot of money on all of his covers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of them. So well, if you if you listen to the, the podcast previously of like best comic book runs and all that, you've probably know that I'm a big Garth Ennis fan. And with Garth Ennis comes Preacher and comes Hellblazer titles and Glenn Fabry, who did a lot of the mid 90s artwork for those uh for those runs really cool art again captures like this uh horror like grotesque kind of feel to the series um cool portrait style definitely one of the best cover artists um and biased because of the books that he was synonymous with but really good stuff in the mid mid 90s yeah, I'll jump in with uh, say uh, Frank Fazetta. Not a lot of comic book work, but probably one of the next to Alex Ross. Probably known as probably one of the 
best cover artists um, of the planet. You know, before Alex Ross was Alex Ross, there was Frank Pizzetta. The man has a museum after him, for God's sakes. <laughs> and so, you know, that goes to tell you, like, the amount of work and everything that he's done. If you've ever seen his, his painted work, it's fantastic. You know, he's a great fantasy artist. Uh, and uh, he definitely gets put on the top of the list and everything. And I'm sure uh, Alex Ross would probably be, uh, would probably say that's probably one of his inspirations, to be honest. Uh, Todd McFarlane. Yes. Now, before yeah. all the Spider-Man and Spawn stuff, he was doing covers for Batman. He was doing covers of, <laughs> uh, like, Hulk mm-hmm. and fantastic stuff and that's where he really started but uh yeah before all the famous stuff he was doing covers that were amazing do you remember in the early 90s uh an artist uh simon beasley who did yes yes lobo batman lobo doom patrol he was yeah some of the awesome work when i was in the comic shops pretty relentlessly his artwork definitely stood out like the especially the lobo and the batman stuff i I don't think anybody's done lobo any better than that like that was a book that was so hot in the like the in the in the early 90s Mm um and i think it had a lot to do with like the cover art so that's one that stands out for sure yeah i'll i'll throw in uh uh mr jay lee uh, which Dr. Gridley and I had uh, the honor of sitting down and having a very interesting Comic-Con dinner one time. <laughs> uh, the first time I saw his work on Namor, I looked and said, that guy's going to be a superstar. You could just look at his work. His line work was a little bit of Mike McNola, a little bit of his own, you know, a uh, little bit of Joe Quesada, possibly, maybe a lot <laughs> of, um, you know, Larry Stroman. You could see that all in his work. And yet he captured it in such a way of black and whites and ink. He just, you know, he's, and also he's, he's, he's a really great guy to talk to. You know, that's our, our 50 Shades of uh, Alex, uh, uh, Alan Moore kind of connection that we've ever had. Or five, five Degrees of Alan Moore. That's where we got that from. <laughs> Jet? If you're going with Jay Lee, why not Jim Lee? Because yep. uh, yeah. Batman has never looked better. The X-Men have never looked better. Punisher mm-hmm. has never looked better. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just everything he did was he did. amazing. Yeah. And so it's it like the iconic versions of those characters. Like everything that DC puts out on pajamas and all that shit, that's Jim Lee artwork. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. True. True. Well, we can't forget about two cover artists that I think were really focused in on the female uh, comic mm-hmm. book characters. Adam Hughes. I was did. Okay. Chad, if you want to get an Adam Hughes, but also say J. Scott Campbell. Obviously. Yes. I mean, if it comes to mind, those two. I'll, I'll throw in the third. Michael Turner. God yeah. rest his soul. Yeah. You know? R.I.P. You know, those, yeah. those three were the ones that, you know, they just shaped all the the books and whenever you saw like, you know, an uh, illustration of a female that was just done in such a, uh, just exaggerated, but great way. Those three guys come to mind. Adam Hughes work on wonder woman was awesome. Oh yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know what? J Scott Campbell did pretty good. Like when he didn't do female characters, but obviously he's known for like a lot of, a lot of that and the mm-hmm. those covers and the, 
late nineties, early two thousands for sure. Yeah, I'm maybe gonna say I know uh Chet said uh the um uh senior, but John Ramita Jr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's like father and son. Come on, man. You know, it's like two probably of the long-standing uh runs on Spider-Man. It's like you don't really kind of see that happening. Yet different art styles, same mm-hmm. influences, same principles, and same work ethics. You don't see that in comics well, anymore. And you can't and you can't have uh the Ramitas without the Adams. Oh, uh, absolutely. The, the old, absolutely. The uh, all three of them rest his soul lost him yeah. last year uh was always on his uh instagram lives just calculating my cards at like well that's that's like fifteen thousand dollars if i want mm-hmm. to buy it. i mean Neil Adam, <laughs> like fantastic mm-hmm. yeah and uh let's let's yeah. also throw in the uh the the kuberts oh yeah oh kubert andy kubert oh, andy, adam yeah. kubert like you know, it's like look the legacies of like Marvel and DC right here. You know, you got to yeah. give them all all credit, and I will also give credit to also Mr. John Burns. You know, because again, he's you know his work in the '80s is the the pinnacle of work, and you know I don't think a lot of people put it in any way where you kind of see that going on and not, and you're kind of wondering to yourself, like you know, it's like. Did we forget John Burns? I think he does get forgotten in the modern age a little bit more now. So thank you, Mr. John Burns, wherever you're at. And along with that, uh, George Perez. Oh, he did some of the most uh, detailed versions where no no one can get as many characters into a frame as George Perez can. Mm. (laughs) Jeez, you know. But yeah, yeah I all think that he late did, '80s, early '90s stuff was fantastic. I remember a, um, I think didn't he do the Avengers and the um, Justice League? Yeah, he did a cover uh, it was, and it was, it was like double gatefold. Yeah, like, but he used like every Avenger, every Justice League member, like even the, the unknown mm-hmm. guys that you know his covers are massive. Yeah, he was just a fantastic cover artist, man. You know, wow, I'm sure somebody would have been screaming at the top of the lungs missing that guy. <laughs> uh, how about Mister uh, JG Jones? Mm-hmm. Who's uh, known for a want it and a bunch of other books? <laughs> you know, he's, he's guy's got a great, uh, great cover artist. Or I'll even throw in uh, John Cassidy on this list, who oh, did yeah. Planetary, uh, and mm-hmm. new cover style, yeah. new illustrations every month that was completely different. You yeah, know? and Astonishing X Men also. Yeah, great run yeah. with Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said Brian you said, Boland. Oh, Brian Boland. Yeah. Oh, Killing yes. Joke. That's yeah. one of the best covers ever. And we like to welcome people into hour five of the best comic book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, we've, I have a huge list still. Well, I know. Some of them I didn't even have a, a, on the list, but you said Michael Turner. I was thinking like Witchblade and Mike Mike Choi, who's done yep. all yep. that like stuff yeah. all like like his stuff is great like mm-hmm. this could go on uh, go. also the 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 worst comic book covers of all time rob liefeld uh <laughs> box office <laughs> <Robert> award coming <laughs> to you um but uh that's for another topic another well, day he, another no no podcast. wait a minute though my man does have iconic covers, not for the right reasons, but he does have the most iconic Captain America that's ever existed. Ever. <laughs> yep. Well, again, like uh, I said, we we go all night on this one. Bro. We got to size down that VHS uh, screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna go real quick through my list of okay. outstanding things yeah. just to speed shit up. But I mean, 
Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing shit. Uh, again, before he was famous for his personal stuff, yep. he was doing Batman covers. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorites. Um, let's see, Jeff Darrow, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, who worked yeah. with Frank, uh, but he's the most detailed guy, I think, working out there. Uh, Dave Gibbons, mm-hmm. Jim Steranko. Uh, mm-hmm. I love all that uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 60s stuff. Uh, Norm Brayfogle, my mm. personal favorite for Batman. Jock. Oh, yeah. Jock. Yeah, Jock's been it down. Uh, Mike Texera. Uh, mm. You know, all mm. the, yeah. what yeah. was it, like Punisher, Ghost Rider, uh, all that stuff. J.H. Williams 3. Mm-hmm. I it. loved his stuff when he was doing, uh, what was it, Batwoman? Mm-hmm. Uh, those were some of the most beautiful covers. And I started buying that series just for the covers. Uh, and uh, Dale Keown. Mm-hmm. Oh, One yeah, of my Dale favorites Keown. is mm-hmm. that um, the Hulk cover where yes. it's just like the, it, and they did it in different, you know, the printings. And yeah, I think colors, they also did like 3D green and that, pink yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. all shit, but beautiful stuff. Also, let's not forget, Mister. Uh, the reason why Spawn is still great and everything. This is great, Capullo, because there's a guy that sent me can do some some covers. He went across he from uh, Batman to now, and I've heard he's over at Marvel. So we're going to see some really great stuff. Yeah, now. I was gonna, I was going to say that because I was like, I know like Greg uh-huh. was responsible for like the whole New Fifty Two run. Yeah, yeah. his mm-hmm. covers were like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I chase some of those covers. Like I have, I think I have almost a complete collection minus mm-hmm. like two covers. So which ones do you need? Because I bought the run at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, if you, if, if we ever did a thing where it's like the, um, if we narrowed down like the best covers of a run, like Alex Ross on the kingdom come. Run, oh, run, yes. I mean, those you could just put up on a wall. Like mm-hmm. those are epic, right? Like, um, but uh, there's a few of those like that where mm-hmm. you just collect them for that. But we could literally go all night talking about that. Are there any other big ones we're missing before we wrap the best? Of I series? will say the old school guys: Jack Kirby, John Buscema, yes. Steve mm-hmm. Ditko that we didn't talk about. Exactly. There's a couple others probably, uh, but those were the Jack ones Kirby. that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to give Jack the man, you know. Well, and it's like all the stuff that's built on mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. because you see, you know, reinterpretations of their covers, and you know, more detailed. But essentially, it's like, oh, we're doing what they did back in the sixties. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, another phenomenal best of series. Uh, with the best comic book uh, cover artists of all time. So check them out um, and see for yourself. If you have any other suggestions, uh, let us know uh, where you can follow us on multiple different uh, streaming uh, social media platforms. The shadow crew podcast uh, is available, including this replay of this stream Uh will uh be uh, available if you missed anything if you're watching now and didn't catch the first half of the cast uh we're also looking forward to dropping on some of the other major podcasts uh, networks so stay tuned but again give us a follow the shadow nose network so 
with that being said, uh, before uh, we wrap things up for this episode 21, a special note to our sponsor, Mr. Storm. Well, like I said, again, as usual, we always get down to this. Like I said, you know, look, we're, if anything, can we can be bought in every possible <laughs> way. <laughs> just, just let it out there. You know, it's like if some other sponsor says, hey, man, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we, we're, if you got the right money, Shadow Crew will do it. <laughs> but they didn't have to drop anything really for us that they did. <laughs> it's Toys versus Games. Uh, we thank them for every week. Uh, sponsoring the uh, Shadow Crew podcast and uh, making this show available, you know, even though it's on the most meagerest budget of the entire planet, uh, you know, the toys versus games make sure that we're always taken care of. Uh, it's a mom and pop store. It's in Wilmington, California. If you're out in the Southern California area and you're looking for something other than the Targets, the Walmarts, the most of the big box stores, you don't want to go on Big Bad Toy Store, you don't want to go to Entertainment Earth or anything, then pop in and spend your money for people that will remember you when you come in the door and will hunt down the items that you're looking for. And that's what you get at Toys versus Games. It's not just for action figures alone. You can actually, they have some vintage uh, actual video games there, and they put on several events throughout the year where they do a video game market on the outside. And so, you know, a lot of swapping and picks and things like that happen to come from it. So we like to thank them. Uh, it's always a pleasure for them uh, to be the sponsor of the cast. Awesome. Well, Again, check out our, our various social media channels. We're on Instagram, we're on YT, we're on various other things. That, you know, check us out. And uh, we've got a lot of other content, a lot of other things like uh, holiday retrospects, uh, Mr. Storm, Dr. Spr uh, Dr. Brantley, uh, Chet Maddox. Uh, Chet is always delivering some uh, amazing uh, reviews on various topics in pop culture, including toys uh, and more to come on toy finds and things of that nature. So thanks for tuning in uh thanks for subscribing any last words before we adjourn gentlemen no it's always a pleasure brother it's always a pleasure i love my friday nights and everything especially on our new platform uh everybody that's popped in thank you so much and let's just keep this growing awesome yeah. all right see you later have a good night <laughs>